is 1.37 p.m. Stories of hustle and grind from the intersection of culture, style, music, and sports. What's going on, everyone? Happy Friday. Welcome to another episode of Short-Term High Volatility Investments. I am your host, the Odds Fellow, Anthony Latino. Flying solo today. No old man who bats and... That's okay. You know, we're going to keep it quick. We're going to keep it light, keep it fun. Um, unfortunately, you guys do have to listen to me only and solely me for 15 or 20 minutes, but you know, duty calls uh, and that's for both of us. That's why I want to be here. And uh, rumor has it, there's actually two uh, stories speculating and swirling in the media right now. Um, and I'm going to lay them both out there so you guys can decide. The old man who bets himself, Jeff Sheesby, my man, man, is either in the lab cooking up some weekend MLB plays. Others on the other side of the coin speculate that he is actually out sweating the Warriors Grizzlies NBA play in game that's happening tonight to see if he can push his NBA futures bets, playoffs, make or miss uh, bets to four and one. So I'll let you guys be the judge of that. You can always check him out on Twitter, follow his timeline. I'm sure he will have MLB picks and he will be sweating. So I'm splitting it right down the middle and I think both are true. Uh, but for now, I'm going to channel my inner Loyola College radio days, that short-lived sweet semester uh, where I sat behind the mic a little bit, um, you know, had some fun with it, needed some extra credits, was trying to graduate in four years with as many credits as humanly possible. There's other personal reasons for that, uh, but we got it done. And one of those semesters in, in that senior year, we did use a little intro to radio class, which was a, a ton of fun. So here I go. Breakdown of the show. Again, quick hitters. We get in and out in 15 20 minutes, give you some value, give you a little NBA preview. It's going to be NBA focused. We'll have plenty of time to do MLB. Uh, hit me up. I can give you plenty of, of people to follow for hockey talk and some other stuff, uh, including the dad bods podcast did a great hockey preview with uh, Smitty at NHL picks to himself, the man. Um, but diving into the NBA, we're going to break this into two parts, a little NBA playoff preview with some key matchups and interesting angles, just a few series can't get into all of them that quick, but again, you know, follow me on Twitter. We'll, we'll have a few other things out and all weekend as these games get started. Uh, we'll sprinkle in any questions I did see from Twitter. We were trying to post on the timelines uh, earlier, uh, but then we're really going to dive into part two and get you out of here with an NBA playoff pick for the weekend. Uh, one of the games over the course of Saturday and Sunday, and then I'll give you my NBA championship finals matchup. So hopefully I don't mush that one because uh, I'm going to have to sneak in a little fanboy, little preview there. So let's dive right into the preview. We'll start with a much watched, focused on, talked about series, especially in the New York, New Jersey, tri-state area. And that is the four seed New York Knickerbockers against the fifth seed Atlanta Hawks. I think it's a huge spot for both teams uh, given the performance over the last few years especially for the Knicks. Um, you know, they have not been in the playoffs first appearance since 2012, 2013, which is a little mind blowing when you think about it and something that probably should never happen in, in a New York market team, you know, big market team, but Hey, that speaks to what's been going on. That speaks to why the fans have been so into it uh, all year. So now not only do they get into the playoffs, they also get to host a playoff game. And I think the telling thing here, which is going to be interesting, tough for the Hawks, is 15,000 fans at game one and game two already sold out. Uh, it's going to be the largest indoor sports gathering in the state of New York since the start of the pandemic back in March of 2020. So important for Knicks fans, important for New York, an important step for all. Um, tough 
for the Hawks. So let's dive into the Hawks a little bit. On March 1st, and I talked about a little bit this on the DadBots podcast too uh, last week. Um, on March 1st, the Hawks were 14 and 20. They were 11th in the Eastern Conference that would have missed the playoffs. It would have missed the play-in, a chance to even get into the 7th or 8th seed. Uh, and they decided um, to make a move and file uh, Lloyd, fire Lloyd, Lloyd Pierce, their head coach. Um, that actually came in early March, March 1st, after a, another blown fourth quarter lead, which was Atlanta's 11th of the season. They lost a game, uh, blew a lead late to the Miami Heat. Uh, the Heat came storming back and, and, and won, and that kind of sealed the deal for, for Mr. Pierce. So who they brought up was assistant Nate McMillan. Uh, he became the interim head coach, and it's not like they were promoting somebody that didn't have head coaching experience. Um, McMillan has had three head coaching stops, I think, definitely in Seattle uh, with the Supersonics, uh, with the Indiana Pacers. I believe he played for both of those franchises, and then um, later on with the or in between with the with the Portland Trailblazers. None, you know, ended super flashy. I think that's why he has been in and out of the league, but he's a basketball lifer. Um, and for whatever reason has, has seemed to motivate this team. They've been, they've gone 27 and 11 under his watch, uh, since he took over in early March. Um, and they've jumped all the way up to fifth in the standing. So a good finish, obviously some teams in front of them fell down, but nonetheless, you, you can't shortcut that. Right. When you flip over to the Knicks breakdown, um, an interesting team that has come out of nowhere. I think many Knicks fans would have just been happy with them to be in contention of, uh, you know, a playoff, a play in game for the playoffs, maybe the seventh or eighth seed in reach, um, you know, even a finish to, to miss out on the seventh or eighth seed in the play. And I think would have, you know, motivated some people that they were taking a step in the right direction. Uh, they come fully loaded with a coach of the year finalist and Tom Thibodeau, a most improved player finalist and probably favorite in Julius Randall and a six man finalist in Derek Rose. I ultimately don't think Rose or Tibbs win those awards, but, but I think Randall does. And it speaks volumes to how this team is constructed. The fact that they have all three, right. Um, an interesting stat that I thought, and I wanted to talk about in the pod, the Knicks 24 and 11 when Derek Rose plays, you know, with Derek Rose. So they made that trade at the deadline, uh, to bring back Rose for a second stint in New York. And I think it was underrated at the time. A lot of people thought, well, it's going to take minutes away from quickly. Or, you know, what does this mean for RJ Barrett? What does this mean for the other point guards on the roster? How do you shuffle things around? I mean, bringing him off the bench is a spark plug. It's still, it, you know, it's definitely changed the way quickly plays and maybe some of the minutes ultimately because Tibbs is putting them both out there. But a lot of times in crunch time, those guys are both out there. Um, and I think it's clear that Rose down the stretch in a lot of these games, the Knicks have had a lot of comebacks. They've had some overtime games. They don't give up and, and Rose is a big spark plug uh, within that. So for a series breakdown, the Knicks swept the regular season uh, 3-0. Um, Two of those games were prior to the coaching shift. So kind of throw those out, but you know, you can't discount it nonetheless. Maybe it's just a tough matchup. Right. But in the third game, you know, which was post coaching, the Hawks run a little bit of a run. The, the Knicks were still playing well. That was post D Rose trade. Um, the Hawks took a 95 84 lead with a minute 47 left to go in the third quarter, about 30 or 40 seconds later before that third quarter ended with about a minute to go. Uh, Trey young went down with an ankle injury. Knicks come storming all the way back. They erase the 11 point deficit. Um, they actually were winning in the game, probably, you know, a miracle three by the Hawks to send it to overtime. So the Knicks probably would have walked out with a win in regulation, if not for uh, Bogdanovich, who's also played well down the stretch and, and the Hawks figuring out they can really run an offense through him. But that game goes to overtime. Thanks to the Hawks last ditch effort. And then the Knicks outscored them, you know, blew them out by 10 in, in OT, a, a trend that later on they would continue in a few other games. That was also a brutal stretch for the Hawks in, in the 
uh, schedule. I think they were had a few games, you know, three out of four, you know, back to back nights. So you, you had a little bit of narrative there that was that was going against the Hawks. But I think telling at least how they came out the gate and how they were playing with Trey Young and at full strength. Uh, another thing I think that's helpful to point out with the Hawks is DeAndre Hunter, who missed 49 games this year, a guy in his second year, um, who's going to give them a little bit more versatility, both offensively and defensively. He's a guy that can potentially guard Randall a little bit, at least another body to throw at him. I think he's going to be big. He came back May 10th. Uh, he's been ramping up his minutes ever since. Um, so look out for him and, and what it does for this team and this dynamic. So overall, why am I telling you all of this? I think this is a coin flip series. I think the odds tell us that uh, Atlanta Right now, at least on DraftKings, is favored in the series minus 121. The Knicks are at even money. That's flipped and flopped a little bit because I think initially the Knicks were slight favorites or it was pretty even between the two. Um, the angle here I would play is depending on who you think is going to win, if you're willing to wait it out, you know, that team could still win game one or lose game one rather and still be very much in the mix of the series. So at these prices, I think you can tail who, whoever you choose. I personally do think the Hawks uh, have a little bit more firepower and are getting right at the right time. The The concern for me as somebody that was, you know, would say I was going to back the Hawks is just what that energy and crowd and motivation at Madison Square Garden is going to mean. Um, so I, I think the angle here is, you know, back whichever team you uh, feel more more strongly about, but one thing you could do um, is wait to see the overreaction to the market after game one, because uh, game one isn't always telling. We've seen, you know, one eight matchups in the past where the eight seed wins a game. Um, you probably don't get as much series movement in a, in a series like that, but in a series like this, where it is so even that oh one deficit is going to mean a big thing in the futures market. So you could still back the squad that you think is going to come back uh, depending on how that game looked and, and felt. Um, so that's, that's one down one down let's jump to another eastern conference matchup another one i'm watching uh bucks heat the reason why i bring this one up and say i'm watching it why it's important why it is narrative it's just really the revenge tour uh for the bucks after last year's beatdown in the bubble at the same hands of these miami heat so the bucks came in they won the season series 2-1 uh they actually end up this year as the three seed in the nba after two straight years of being the first seed in the eastern conference I think that's telling because, you know, it was a shortened season, so it was weird. Nonetheless, I think the East got better, but I think you could also tell that the Bucks were working on different things, lineups, introducing uh, Drew Holiday and some new guys into this team, tinkering with how they ran things offensively and defensively to not get stuck in the same uh, rut that they have the last two years in the playoffs where they bat out the Eastern Conference to the eventual winning uh, Toronto Raptors. Then last year, obviously in the second round against the Heat, uh, something nobody probably saw coming, and then the Heat ultimately lose to the Lakers in the finals. So Miami comes in 22 and 14 since the All-Star break to finish 40 and 32 overall. Um, they claimed the sixth seed. So they were really playing 500 ball before that point. Um, you know, interesting telling. I think the thing with the Heat this year is I think you combine the revenge factor plus the fact that the Heat just don't have the same depth or the same pop. I don't know if it was a combination of, you know, coming out as a long, brutal grind, especially if you lasted all the way into the NBA finals uh, in that bubble for these guys. That was, you know, well documented, the, the mental toll it took on a lot of folks. So, you know, they really started slow off the gate, right? That, that record since the All-Star game speaks to how well they gelled, Spolstra getting them ready. I give him all the credit in the world. I give Jimmy Butler, who's likely uh, an all-NBA team, uh, you know, caliber player, all the credit in the world. They're going to be a tough out. We know that. But I think at the end of the day, the Victor Oladipo trade at the deadline, the splash they tried to make, 
He won't even be in the mix, right? Out with season-ending surgery. Um, I think the fact of the way the Bucks, how they approach the regular season, integrating these guys, um, you know, I, I think ultimately the Bucks are going to get there. Um, I think one way you could bet this series, because you probably, if you believe the Bucks are going to win, don't want to lay minus 305 on the series price. Uh, if you believe the Heat are going to win, the plus 240 is decent value. You're probably better off betting them game to game. Um, and seeing what you get, especially on the money line to kind of cap up to, to four wins. But, you know, plus 240 is not, not awful. I think the other way you can approach it, uh, which I may do, is sprinkle a little bit on the Bucks' exact series prices to win the game. So Milwaukee plus 275 to win 4-1 is actually the favorite, which is a little wild. And then Milwaukee to win 4-2 is plus 400. So I like those two, Milwaukee in five, Milwaukee in six. Um, so might, you know, try to, sprinkle the bankroll in a way that you get coverage uh, on both picks. Um, if that comes out nicely, quickly hitting on another Eastern conference favorite. It's where I live. It's where I watch. It's where I spend a lot of time. Uh, this one, a little selfish preview for me as a Nets fan. Uh, but I, I just love the narrative for me of how it comes full circle after that terrible Garnett Pierce trade for all of the picks, right? A lot of people said the Nets got fleeced. The Nets did get fleeced. What they weren't counting on was that team falling apart, the health hurting so quickly. A lot of those earlier picks and pick swaps shouldn't have turned out the way they did. Um, ultimately, it fell flat on its face. And, you know, that allowed the the Celtics to really climb out, rebuild, and, and you know, be a powerhouse in the Eastern Conference for the last few years. But the interesting thing is it hasn't completely panned out for them either. Uh, and I think what you've seen over the last few years is a little bit of a talent dearth. Uh, start to pop up. So yeah, you have, you know, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, uh, two guys that came out of that trade via the picks and pick swaps and all the things around it. Um, but they've had some legitimate misses either with guys that have come in free agency or guys that have left in free agency. Um, the big ones are, you know, Al Horford leaving, probably ended up leaving at the right time because he he, he struggled since, uh, but was a key piece of that guy, that, that team, some of those earlier teams in the locker room, the Gordon Hayward, injury thing. I don't know if that was a curse or, or whatever. You know, the poor guy, he's played great in Charlotte this year until some injuries derailed it too. Um, but, but really tough break for, for Boston when they looked at having Kyrie and Hayward on that squad, they never really played together and, and clicked for a number of reasons, including that opening game injury. And then the Kyrie drama drama, right. And obviously he's in the mix here. So I think a fun thing to watch is really Kyrie playing in front of the Boston faithful for the first time since all of this stuff went down. Um, he got the benefit last year of the the bubble. So no fans in the stands and, you know, no booze, no booze, but he will, he will hear the booze this time around uh, for the nets specifically, you know, the, I, I think in this type of series, um, my concern is obviously same thing as everyone else. Durant Harden and Westbrook played only 202 minutes together over eight games. It's not a lot. It's not a big sample size, even in a 72 game season. Uh, the benefits though, is that I think the lack of scoring and the lack of depth from Boston, you know, they, they needed what 50 plus from Tatum um, to blow out the wizards in the playing game. They really do have a terrible bench and a terrible second unit. And that's been a problem all year. Um, I think to me, that means the nets can use this series to get healthy, get tuned up, get those guys some more reps together. And we'll see what that means. Um, you know, the Eastern conference is not easy sledding. So uh, we'll see what that means the rest of the way as the nets and Celtics lock up in that two, seven battle. Uh, jumping to one more switching gears to the Western conference blazers nuggets. The reason I highlight this one is I think it's interesting because you have the MVP, the Joker, uh, meeting game time 
Damian Lillard. So two, obviously all NBA caliber players um, going head to head in this one. What is really the point you want to try to discern and, and that I wanted to touch on a little bit is how much the Jamal Murray injury hurts the, the Denver Nuggets. And obviously, you know, you'd like to say on the surface, it hurts a ton. Uh, the two man game that that Joker and Murray would run, um, you know, the Western Conference uh, finals run that they went on last year before losing a tough series to the Lakers, but putting up a fight. Uh, some dramatic comebacks for the Nuggets and obviously Murray going off in the bubble from a shooting scoring perspective. But I think the interesting thing is that the Nuggets actually went 16 and eight down the stretch without Murray. It probably was what solidified uh, the Joker's MVP run. I still think he'll win it. I think he'll win it in pretty favorable fashion, but you know, the, he had a tough battle and beat Curry coming out of nowhere. Um, but the way he carried this team down the stretch was truly, truly remarkable. Um, Portland, you know, they're a team that has struggled defensively. And, and that's where I worry about it a little bit in this matchup. Does that defensive rating for Portland, that's 29th in the league, and that's really bad, um, just matter too much, right? There's really, how, how do you stop Joker? Michael Porter Jr., I think, has stepped up in a big way to fill some of that Murray scoring, um, you know, lack there of scoring because of the Murray injury. So it'll be interesting to watch just how these teams match up. I think you'll be able to garner a lot by just game one or game two, uh, how the offenses run and, you know, how Denver does trying to attack uh, Joker. The bad news for for the Blazers is no Zach Collins. I, I think it seems like he's going to be out for most of the series, if not the entire series with, with an injury. So that's just another big man that they can't throw at him to, to help guard, help stop, help slow down. Um, so I think at the end of the day, even without Murray, it, it might not matter in the season series, the Nuggets won two one. I think the last game was a throwaway and that was the one the Portland won because that was all seeding last day of the season. You know, if you look at the score, if you look at the spread pregame really didn't matter. So what I'm keying in on here uh, potentially um, is the, the two earlier games. So February 23rd, no CJ for the Blazers, uh, no Nurkic for the Blazers. Joker goes for 41, five and five. I mean, that's a stat line. Now, granted, Murray was in that game. So probably spread them out a little bit more. Um, but, you know, you could probably tell the presence of no Nurkic uh, also being another body to match up against the Joker. 41, five and five. Uh, April 21st, a little bit later, CJ and Nurkic come back for the Blazers. Uh, this is post injuries. No Murray for Denver. Keep in mind, they go 16 and eight down the stretch. Uh, this game being in that stretch and they get the win. Uh, Joker goes 25, nine and five. So still you can tell just everything running through him. The usage rate is high. I think at the end of the day, especially without Collins, if Nurkic is still a little bit banged up, um, it doesn't, it might not matter what Dame and, and CJ go for because I've seen this Blazers team just not be able to get stops. So the series price is about a dead flip. The uh, spread, I think on Saturday or Sunday, whenever game one is, is sitting around minus one, two. So you can really drive the value probably game to game with this one. It's going to be a series I'm watching closely. I do lean Denver. And I think the short price is an interesting one at, at Denver minus 110. So that's a little bit of a preview. There's obviously other games and, and a lot of other things happening. So the matchups we didn't touch on are in the East, 1-8, uh, Philly, Washington. You know, as much as I love the Washington story and them getting right, I don't think it matters. Um, and then is that it? Yeah, because we touched on the other three. And then in the Western Conference, we didn't talk about Utah against the winner, which I don't know at the time of this, uh, Golden State and Memphis. I would lean Golden State, but that Memphis team is scrappy. 2-7, uh, uh, Suns, Lakers, and 4-5, uh, LA Clippers, Dallas Mavericks. So fun nonetheless, great matchups all Saturday and Sunday. Strap in. So 
where we are going to head next and final, and we'll get you out of here quick, as promised, is a little NBA playoff pick. So I'll probably be on a, a ton of these games, ton of angles, really want to spend time digging in. The, the games do not tip off until Saturday afternoon. Um, so, you know, follow me on Twitter at the odds fellow underscores between odds and fellow and the and odds. I got to, I got to shorten that somehow. Um, but the one game that I am keying in on for Sunday, nice and early, and I want to get out to you guys, especially before this moves and I'll do some shopping, um, but it's a total and it is going under 212 total points in the Lakers Suns game. You should find that anywhere between even odds up to minus 110. Um, I would play it probably down towards 210, but going to look to see if I can find anything higher than the 212 I saw posted on DraftKings. Uh, but the number probably should be hovering around there. The reason here, you look at three games uh, during the year these teams played. You could throw some of this out um, because the rosters were all over the place, injuries. COVID, you know, whatever, mostly on the Lakers side, they were definitely ravaged. Sun stayed pretty, pretty healthy. And there's a, a reason, obviously they're the, the two seed in the Western conference, but um, the games in those three games went total points of 218, 205 and 233. So I think the fact that the under comes in set a little bit lower than where two of those finished uh, it, it's to me pretty telling to start off, but the really interesting things here is just when you look at the defensive rating um, the pace play, you know some of the styles just from the eye test of, of watching these guys over the years, which which I've come to do, right? So let's start with the defensive rating. Lakers, despite all the injuries, credit to the head coaching staff, credit to some of the other guys filling in, and credit to the, to the full roster when they're all out there. First in overall defensive rating, Suns ninth. Pace of play, Suns 26th in the league, Lakers 16th. So it's going to be a little bit of grind. And that's in regular season basketball, which, you know, we know what the NBA regular season looks like, right? Um, one of the wrinkle 3:30 Eastern start 1230 Pacific start, you know, some people argue, think the matinee, I don't really have data to back this up. Just a little eye test thing too. Right. But what does that slow start mean? Um, you know, what does that early start mean? Does it mean and translate into a slow start uh, for these teams? So something interesting to watch CP three versus LeBron. I mentioned the eye test, right? How often do you see these guys dribbling, isolating, holding the ball at the end of the shot clock, trying to get good shots, trying to create for their team. So just the usage rates, the way they facilitate through those two, you know, in one case, a point guard, in one case, another point forward with LeBron. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of that, right? I think this is going to be a close series throughout. I think that starts right away in game one. So I think because of that, because of these metrics that I mentioned, the way they match up defensively, um, I, I think you're going to see a slow pace, a slow total. Um, and hopefully we get it. We catch that ticket under 212. 31% of the bets driving 53% of the money. I think you'll continue to see that trend kind of sharpen. Um, you know, people love betting overs. So hopefully we get a good under here. We get a good number and we get CP3 and LeBron really driving the pace for us. So that's the pick. I gave you some series previews. I gave you some ways to bet some of those series. The last thing I will leave you with is a lasting impression of my finals matchup. Call it a dream, call it a prediction, come back in a couple months and find me. The Brooklyn Nets in six games, shout out fanboy, this guy, over the Los Angeles Clippers in six. That's right. I think the Clippers get out of the West. I think the Nets get out of the East and I think the Nets overcome. So two interesting teams to watch. I think we're set up for a great series. I hope you guys enjoy the weekend. I hope you tell this pick, check out 
all everything 137 p.m is offering check out everything at the old man who bets is offering check out everything at the odds fellow has can't wait to interact with you guys can't wait to enjoy the weekend it's gonna be hot and the playoffs are gonna be on cheers this is 137 p.m own your future start this minute 137 p.m is a gallery media group original production